Hey, thanks for joining us today to hear about what's going on at The Gap at Sawmill Meadow in South Fork, Colorado. If you or someone you love is between the ages of 18 to 23 years old and is considering a Gap experience for whatever reason, these episodes are created for you so that you have an idea of what this program is all about. Today on the Be Who You Are podcast with The Gap at Sawmill Meadow, we welcome Chris Wheeler uh, to our interview platform. Chris Wheeler has been involved with The Gap when The Gap was just a thought. And his insight and wisdom and his professionalism has profoundly impacted those of us that are involved with The Gap in leadership as well as with The Gappers. I've heard Chris say on a couple of occasions this, we don't win people into the kingdom of God by winning a debate. We love people into the kingdom of God. And that is central to what he's teaching here at The Gap. And you'll hear themes of that throughout this interview. That principle is central to The Gap. Uh, as we consider how to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So we welcome Chris to the Be Who You Are podcast. Hey, Chris Wheeler, welcome to the Be Who You Are podcast at the Sawmill Meadow. It's happening, Tammy. It's actually happening. It is happening. Um, I wonder if you can just kind of tell me a little bit about um, who Chris Wheeler is. Wow. Okay. Well, how much time do we have? Is this? Uh... Yeah, we have three minutes. Oh, well, that's <laughs> I was hoping this could be like a series and part one would just be, you know, my early years and part <laughs> two. Being... Okay. So um, Chris Wheeler is a husband and a dad. I uh, have been married to my very best friend. Her name is Lindsay Wheeler. Uh, we've been married almost 20 years, which is awesome. And I say all the time, I would truly rather be with Lindsay doing nothing than be with anybody else doing anything else. Uh, And that includes fly fishing, because I do love fly fishing and I do love playing chess with my friends. Uh, And I love being outdoors, but I still would just prefer to be hanging out with Lindsay. Um, Lindsay and I are the parents of um, Eliana Wheeler, and she was born in Guatemala. And we adopted her when she was a baby. And now she is 16 years old. She is a sophomore in high school. I live in Fayetteville, Arkansas in the Ozarks. So we root for the Razorbacks, the University of Arkansas Razorbacks, Woo Pig Suey. And I work um, for a technology company, believe it or not. <laughs> well, that I do believe it because you've okay. told me that. Okay. Um, so in, in hearing all of those things about Chris Wheeler, um, I think it's important that people realize that we have actually never physically met in person. Yes. Um, we have this weird online relationship that was kind of forged by your wife through a, right. a conference that we attended together uh, called Camp Well. Um, and it has been a blessing and an honor to get to know you. Chris is actually uh, on the advisory board. He's a pastoral advisor uh, to the Gap, and uh, truly has been a blessing to really everyone that has come in contact with you through 
this organization. And so I'm, I'm super grateful. You didn't really mention your pastoral role. Well, see, that's a pastoral role. Oh, that's, well, that's part, part two. two. Okay. I was giving you something to like, you know, then set up a little softball, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, how interesting. How interesting. Yeah. So before I worked for a technology company, I spent um majority of my life in pastoral ministry. My dad's a pastor, so I come by it, you know, sort of naturally. I grew up in the church. Um, but I, I actually grew up super legalistic. I grew up thinking that I had to work really, really hard to please God. And the more scripture I could memorize, you know, maybe the more pleased he was with me. And perhaps the more confession I could, you know, more sins I could confess and repent of, the more pleased he might be with me. Um, and it truly wasn't until God brought Lindsay into my story that I began to experience grace in a tangible way, um, which completely changed who I am. And so I, I definitely feel like there's an old Chris Wheeler and a new Chris Wheeler. Uh, the Chris Wheeler in college was very legalistic and self-righteous. And the Chris Wheeler today, I think, has a much greater capacity for love and kindness. So my work in pastoral ministry I've been a student minister, so like a youth pastor, but at big old massive churches in Nashville um, where we had, you know, six or seven youth pastors on staff. And I also for a while worked uh, with Stephen Curtis Chapman and his wife, Mary Beth Chapman, in their nonprofit. Um, it's called Show Hope, and they um, provide funding for adoptions and they provide uh, lots of education for for um, foster care and orphan care and adoption care. And so I worked with the Chapman family and their nonprofit for, I want to say, six years. Um, but then my last place of employment was a large church in Nashville called Church of the City. And there I was the um, community pastor. Uh, I was in charge of uh, kind of the assimilation into the church. So I taught the the welcome class. I, I taught the membership course, which is a multi-week course you had to take if you wanted to become a member. Um, I was in charge of kind of the hospitality teams and the Sunday morning kind of lobby experience that you might have and then classes and courses. And I was also in charge of all of the uh, small groups or community groups for the church. Wow. Um, and I think that experience has definitely informed a lot of the role that I get to play with The Gap. I think all of those pieces kind of come together. And for me, being a part of an advisory board with you and the other uh, Gap leadership has just been really, really fun, honestly. It's been a real blast for me. Yeah, thank you. It's been for us too. And literally, you know, I just learned a whole slew of of facts about Chris Wheeler that I didn't know five minutes ago. And, and I pinched myself and I'm like, what? how did this happen? How did this happen? It's that somebody like, we've got some really high caliber people that I've connected with a lot of them that are part of the gap, but a lot of them I've known for a long time. And I just am so thankful, um, to have you on board. I remember, uh, yeah, I, re I remember when Lindsay introduced me to you and said, Hey, I'm on the, you know, Lindsay was on a, um, a call with you and yeah. had become friends with you. And Lindsay had said, Hey, I think Tammy is going to reach out to you. Y'all might be able to connect and chat. She's going to be thinking about launching, you know, a gap year program. And I'm like, I would love that. I would love to chat with Tammy. 
And then I'll never forget, I was in the pickup line uh, picking up Eliana from junior high at the time. And um, we finally had a phone call. And uh, I just remember connecting with you um, and really hearing your heart and vision for mm -hmm. this. And um, just, it was just so fun and so exciting to just say, man, I, I would love to be a part of this. I want to be, you know, I want to be in, I want to, I want to be a part of what God's doing here. Yeah. Well, those are kind words. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about what you're doing besides advising me and the host couple, uh, on the back end. Um, let's talk about what you're doing with the gap attendees. So right now we have five gap attendees and you, uh, we really launched the gap probably week two with a curriculum that you wrote on community. And within that piece, um, there was a ton of takeaways that I wrote down and I know for sure that they wrote down. And I also know that they mention the, the teaching and what you shared the, the Bible teaching and what you shared with them in those first few weeks all the time. Mm. And so can you talk a little bit about why that topic spoke to you? and speaks to you and why you feel like that's important for this rising generation of new adults. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the centerpiece is something that, that Jesus said. He said, they're going to know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. That's the marking characteristic of, of a follower of Jesus, right? Christian means little Christ. And so if I'm a follower of Jesus, if I'm a little Christ, uh, my reputation is supposed to be, according to Jesus, that I'm known by my love. So all of the development, all of the curriculum, all the content is really centered back to that simple idea. Are we being known by our love or not? <clears throat> and then what does that mean? What does that look like in tangible ways? And so we've gotten to do a lot of very practical things to equip because you can actually develop skills here. This is not something that you can just say, oh, I want to be more loving. How do I do that? This is actually something that you can grow in. You can improve upon. Um, of course, all of our growth and development is powered by the Holy Spirit. And so we're dependent on him to make anything happen. But that's really the centerpiece. The, you know, the, the first prayer that Jesus would have ever learned is called the Shema, right? It's the first prayer any Hebrew, any Jewish boy would learn, <clears throat> hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And Shema means here, like that it's named after the very first word here. So when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He quoted the Shema. And then he also said, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And all of these are summed up right? And all the law and all the prophets can be hung on those two hooks. Mm -hmm. So when we're thinking about community and we're thinking about developing a community that's truly known by our love, it all has to center back to those first two things that Jesus said is we're supposed to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. So yeah, to me, that's the starting point. And then all of the lessons and all the fun little activities and pieces that we've talked about spin out of that. For me, it also is super personal because Lindsay and I have felt incredible amounts of loneliness. We know what it is to not have community. 
Um, our story is a hard story and our parenting journey has been a very difficult one. And because of that, it is, it is often that we find ourselves just alone. And, uh, and when we do find community, we, we know it, right? It's precious to us. It's very, very valuable to us. So, um, you know, I, I know what it is to not have it, and I know what it is to fight for it, and I know what it is to um, value community uh, in a very real way. Yeah. I think one of the reasons the Gappers and the host couple and myself found it so valuable at first is because you have a group of new adults and a host couple who now live in the same house. Yep sharing life together and none of them necessarily chose to live with the people that they're living with. And so when you talk about loving your neighbor as yourself, there's two key components. Number one, do you love yourself well enough to be able to love your neighbor? And in our case, the, the neighboring starts with our roommates yeah. and the host couple and the host couple to the gappers and one of the central components that I think we keep coming back to on the ground at the gap is conflict resolution. Yeah. And, and when you talk about um, loving your neighbor as yourself, it sounds so glamorous. Yeah. And yeah. so easy when in reality it is not. Uh, and conflict resolution is one of those pieces that we come back to all the time is how do you have conflict within your community. So I guess my question to you is when, when did that become apparent? Like, how did you start to incorporate these conflict resolutions? And I don't want to say technique because I, on one hand, I don't want to say technique, but on the other hand, like, I do feel like there's a technique. And yeah. so when and how did that become part of a fabric of your life? Yeah, that's awesome. So it's it's kind of a it's a layering of things for me. Part of it uh, is honestly from a mentor that I had when I was at Church of the City, <clears throat> and actually had him a little bit before and after that time at Church of the City. But um, his name's Jack Nicholson, and uh, believe it or not, that is his name. And uh, Jack is is really the one that that introduced me to this idea of. Uh, and it all boils down to the concept of holding the tension. The, you know, our, our natural instinct is to want to avoid tension, to want to run away from it, to maybe take the path of least resistance, right? <clears throat> and so when we're holding the tension, it means that we're willing to stay in a tough spot. We're willing to not escape it. A lot of times, you know, when we feel tension with a person, we want to relieve it with con with, with uh, sorry, with humor uh, or a distraction or an avoidance technique. But really holding the tension with someone is saying, I, I, I love this person enough that I'm not going to avoid these harder pieces. I'm not going to run away from them. Um, the uh, something that Jack said to me many times is, resistance is where the gold is. And so, you know, the idea is that um, when you sense resistance in your own self or uh, even in your 
spirit or even in a relationship, often that's where the gold is. That's where you go, oh my gosh, there's something here that's important. You know, but clearing the charge is one of those skills or techniques that we uh, talked about in our lessons, but it's also something that you can just practice. And uh, it's all about bottom line, do I love this person or not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do I actually love this person or am I just going to technique them? I remember I I had a, a I was meeting with a, a lady at the church when I was on staff and um, I, she was really upset a bunch of, about a bunch of different things in the church. And uh, I was trying to appease her. I was trying to make her be okay, but, you know, just kept leading to another meeting. And it was just um, one of those, like, I don't know, conflicts that just continued to just surface again and again and again. And I was talking to a counselor friend of mine at the time. And I said, man, I, I'm going to be meeting with this person again uh, tomorrow. Be praying for me. You know, because at the end of the meeting, I just really want her to feel loved. And he said, uh, well, do you love her? Mm. No, (laughs) no, I do not. I do not love her. I want her to go away. Yeah. Uh, And he said, well, she's never going to feel like you love her until you love her. Mm. And for me, that was a big moment where I'm going, oh my gosh, I haven't been actually trying to love this person. I've been trying to technique them. So yeah. there's a big difference to me there uh, now, a big contrast. Am I actually going to love this human uh, and thereby enter into the conflict, hold the tension with them? Or am I going to just pretend and smile and be social and not actually love them? So don't yeah. you think that's what our culture fosters? Oh yeah. It's just the superficial relationship of, you know, online relationships or social media relationships, but not deep relationship where, where you can actually love somebody. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It is unusual to truly love someone. Um, it's, it's normal to argue with people or possibly try to prove that you're right, but no one was won into the kingdom of God because they lost a debate. Right. right? We don't win people into the kingdom of God by winning a debate. We actually love people into the kingdom of God. And it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance, not his judgment Uh, gratefully. That was actually one of the things that came out, how well you connected with these new adults as um, a big brother. And you kept referring to yourself that way as a big brother to them. Yeah. And, And that was brought up time and time again, well after, you know, we disconnected from our Zoom meetings and our teachings from you. And I truly believe that that is what they felt from you when you were part of the gap and going through the sessions on community is they felt like you love them. And I think it was because it was genuine. Mm. When you love people and when you choose to love people, right? Cause it is a choice. It's a choice to allow God's love to flow through you. When you choose to love people, then you're less shocked by their humanity. 
uh, you're less shocked by their brokenness um, because you're so much more aware also of your own humanity and your own brokenness. So I think the overlap in engaging with the new adults at the gap is pretty, um, pretty direct because it's the same. It's, it's engaging with people. Yeah. Um, it's engaging with humans who have hurt and who have brokenness and who have regrets and sorrows and losses and hopes and dreams at the same time. Another uh, thing that you kind of worked with us on is helping us identify our true self versus our ideal self versus our shadow self. And this falls right in line with loving the neighbor as yourself, because Mm -hmm. if yourself is, uh, if you as a person is shifting, Mm -hmm. depending on your environment, then the way that you love others is also going to shift. Yeah. So can you, can you summarize like the difference between true ideal and shadow self? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, uh, first encountered this. The very first time I sat down with my mentor, Jack, the very first meeting I ever had with him when we were one-on-one, he looked at me and he said, Chris, I want you completely out of the compensation business. And at the time, I'm like, what on earth does that mean? He wants me out of the compensation business. And he said, I see you compensating for everyone in the room. Mm shifting as you would say in who you are to please different people in the room and he said i want you completely out of the compensation business right to be who i am rather than some version of of a chris that they might that i think they might want me to be right a kind of a chameleon where to this guy i'm serious and to this guy i'm silly and to this guy i'm i'm really reverent and to this guy i'm really irreverent whatever that ultimately, all of those different versions or masks that we wear is a, is, is a type of ideal self. It's what we are presenting to the world that we want everybody to think of us. It's kind of our Instagram front page, glossy, touched up version, right? It's the, hey, how are you? Good to meet you. I'm Chris. I'm so yeah. glad you're here. Welcome to the Gap. You know, it's that uh, I don't have problems. I don't have issues. Everything's wonderful. Um, that's the ideal self. And a lot of times we only let people know our ideal self. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, and when our two ideal selves meet one another, we're both still lonely. Uh, you don't actually know me. I don't actually know you. We just are kind of, um, you know, sort of friends with our ideal selves. Uh, the shadow self. It's the mask. Yeah, it is the mask, right? It, it's the mask. It's, it's, it's the pretending, you know, a lot of times, you know, Sunday morning in the lobby is oftentimes in a church setting, a lot of ideal selves, you know, we're dressed up, we're clean, we probably took a shower, we're wearing our Sunday best. How are you? Good, brother, I'm good. You know, it's all that sort of thing. But it's not really being present. It's not really being ourselves with that person. We're being a version of ourselves or an ideal projection. Uh, the, The shadow self, of course, is the other end of that spectrum. The shadow self is ourselves if we just took all the filters off, if we just said what we really wanted to say, if we said what we were actually thinking, you know, it, it, it would be, I wish I wasn't here. 
I think you're annoying. This is stupid. I'm irritated. I want to go home. Um, I think I'm better than you. I think I'm probably smarter than you. I know that I'm whatever, you know, it's, it's that it, it's as if the, if we just gave full rise to the darkness and said, here, it's all going to hang out, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then in the middle between those two pieces, between those two extremes is our true self. And oftentimes we cannot know our true self until we've identified our ideal self and our shadow self. And what I mean is I need to be able to kind of step back and from an objective standpoint, say, what is my, what am I tempted to present here? What is my temptation to say, here's my ideal self. Please be impressed with me. Please think that I'm amazing. Please think I've got it together. And then, you know, what is the shadow self of, of probably my sin nature? And, um, you know, maybe how do I really feel about all of this? And then I go, okay, what's true of me? Who am I? How do I stand solid in who God made me to be and in the story that I'm, I'm living right now? Um, and that exercise, even if it's a quick exercise, can help us show up with one another. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing it also can give us is it can give us the ability or the, the language to express when we're not who we wanted to be. Um, you know, if, if, if mm. I, if I show up and it's really ugly and I'm kind of a jerk to you and I bit your head off and, uh, was maybe I was selfish, um, or rude or quick with you or, or said something snarky, you know, I can come back later and say, hey, Tammy, um, will you forgive me? I really think I was operating out of my shadow self <laughs> and that's not who I want to be. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's not an excuse. It doesn't mean I, I, it's not like I'm Jekyll and Hyde and I can behave one way and not have any consequences, but it gives us language to be able to express, man, I, I don't think that's who I really want to be. I think I was really giving into uh, my shadow self in that way. And and another another way I use that is I'll, I'll, even in a conversation with someone, I'll express, hey, my shadow side wants to run away from this conversation. Or I might say my shadow side kind of just wants to scream at you, but I'm not going to do that because I'm, I'm trying to have a real conversation here. You know, yeah. Yeah. you can almost identify these different pieces or say, hey, my ideal side wants to present to you like I've got it all together. But in reality, I don't. In fact, I feel super insecure right now. And I just, I wanted to show up and be real with you. So it it, it gives us those, those tools or those words to be able to kind of show up in a more genuine way with one another. And naturally that's what's happened at the gap. So mm. there, there's been situations where we're now so comfortable living with each other, um, especially with the host couple and all the gappers. And, and I'll observe people saying, uh, that, you know what, I think pointing it out to other people is, is that your shadow side that's mm -hmm. coming out? And it's almost like this, it, it's a, it's a nice slap in the face, like, whoa, wait a minute, you're right. Um, and it, it really helps, helps us shepherd each other mm -hmm. towards being better followers of Christ that, 
that allow us to have the freedom to love other people well. Mm-hmm. So I, I love what you said about giving it language because it it truly does give it language. And I think that's what we've been able to do with the gap because we are living it every day. Mm-hmm. And because strangely enough, um, a lot of the curriculum topics um, use a lot of that same and similar language. And so being able to take what, what you taught and then apply it and practice it. And we're all practicing it together puts Mm. us in what you called appropriately kind of an incubator. Like we're living in this incubator of practicing the same thing together to better prepare us to leave the incubator and go Mm. out and, and be Jesus to number one, to our, our workplaces when we leave for work every day, but ultimately when we leave the gap, um, go do whatever comes next. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, Galatians six, two says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Mm. And we were referencing earlier that the law of Christ is to love one another. And when, when, and, and what we're, what we as the gap are doing is we're learning how to bear one another's burdens how to truly be family. Yeah. Yeah. That's really um, how to truly be family with one another. It's, it's, it's a totally different way of, of approaching um, community. Chris, let me uh, sh- shift gears here a little bit in thinking through the gap and what our mission is um, and knowing that it takes a very bold decision for somebody to decide to really take a, a, an off the beaten path trail towards their next step. And it's going to take a bold allowance from parents to say, yes, this is something you should do. What advice would you give to maybe some new adults that are considering, or maybe even parents considering a gap year and specifically this gap year for, for themselves? Hmm. Well, a couple of things come to mind. Um, one is something that I would tell my daughter, tell Eliana, uh, don't be in too big of a hurry to grow up. I think it's kind of an uh, an odd thing to say to a young adult who is trying to grow up. And I know that parents want to launch their kid out into the world and um, are f- afraid they won't launch sometimes. But I, I think we can sometimes be in too big of a hurry to get our first job and to get a house and to get married and to have kids and to just boom, 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 do all the things that we think we're supposed to do. And I think it's important to slow down and really be in the stage that we're in right now. And if you're in that early young adult stage, it is a time to learn and discover and um, explore who you are. And I think you know, the tendency can be to feel the pressure that everybody else already has their first job or everybody else already has got their career going. What am I doing? And and that comparison can make us feel like we're, we're wasting or missing out on something. Um, but really, I think taking time uh, at this stage of your life to slow down and to process and to evaluate and to listen and to grow is critical. Um, to say, okay, where is God leading me? Where do I want to be heading? Um, I was a part of a gap program um, when I was just out of college that was so helpful for me. 
Um, it was a semester, not a year, but it was so helpful for me and very informative. And, and um, God used it as another uh, link in the chain or stepping stone for where he was leading. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the, the other thing too, and this is, this sounds like kind of the opposite of what I just said, but <laughs> it's the balance for me. Uh, life is fragile and brief. Um, and we are not guaranteed tomorrow. And, and so even though that sounds dark, it's true. And, and so we live in the reality of going, oh, scripture says our life's a vapor. It's a mist. Mm -hmm. uh, what am I going to do with it? Right. Um, I think, I think taking time to prepare and, and evaluate and, and, and kind of get set is making the most of our days here on earth to say, okay, if life is a vapor, if it is a mist, if it is brief and fragile, what do I want to be doing with it? Um, I think, I think the gap experience is perfect as a, a as a young adult to be able to say, okay, I want to, I want to make this count, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't want to just coast for a decade and make money and then figure out what's going on with my life. Right. Um, you know, life's too fragile. Life's too brief to be coasting blindly through our twenties and thirties. Yeah. Uh, That's really good. Um, Chris, I am so thankful that you were here today. Um, more than that, I'm just thankful for your ongoing involvement in the gap. I know words that you have said here uh, today will um, resonate with people who are listening, people who might be considering coming to the gap, parents who might be considering sharing the gap with their kids. Mm -hmm. um, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here um, and just your your ongoing participation. And I, mm -hmm. I love what you said about um, well, I love just how you reiterate the Bible and that, um, we are known by the way that we love others. We're, mm -hmm. we're known as disciples of Jesus by the, by the way that we love others. And, and, um, that is such a central part to what we're doing here at the gap. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thankful that you're part of it. Mm. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Tammy. It is an honor. Uh, and it's a joy and it is only powered by the Holy Spirit. And so when we get to experience things that are powered by the Holy Spirit, it makes us feel so alive because that's what we were made to do, right? So, you know, my watch was made to tell time and my Crocs were made to protect my toes, right? Uh, we, Crocs? I wear Crocs, that's right. <laughs> Uh, we were made to do this with one another in community. And so when we're doing what we were made to do, uh, we feel delight. Uh, and so honestly, it's a delight to get to do this. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Uh, until next time, um, I hope you have a great afternoon and tell Lindsay hi. Absolutely. I will absolutely tell Lindsay hey for you. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening. If you would like to talk to one of us at The Gap, you can reach us at info at leanintothegap.org. We are a 501c3 organization and exist through donations from people and organizations that have a passion for the rising generation.